exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Welcome to Impact Exposure. My name is Jason. We'll be having a great show with three guests for you tonight. If you ever have any questions about what we're talking about on the air, always feel free to call up at 432 3893, or you can talk to me online on your AOL Instant Messenger. Impact Exposure is your screen name. Tonight's show features, uh, in the middle of the hour, um, a dance act called January Smooths, and on the last end, we'll be talking to Amanda Wells from The Review. But to kick it all off, we have a recurrent guest uh, on Impact Exposure. Chad Badgerow is here from Peppermint Creek, uh, the theater company, and he has a very intriguing play to talk to us about this evening. First off, how are you doing tonight, Chad? Great, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. How's the winter treating you? Has there Good. been a lot of exciting well, you know, things Michigan. going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we're excited. Uh, I mean, as far as the theater goes, we're excited about this next, these last three shows that we have for this season. Uh, so that's going well, yeah. So it's, it's uh, well, real quick, why don't you, you detail your season? Let the let the crowd know what's up for Peppermint Creek. All right, our, our upcoming show uh, is Nine Parts of Desire, which opens next week on Thursday, February 1st. And then uh, following Nine Parts of Desire, we have Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which we're really excited about, a rock musical. And uh, our last show of this season is uh, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot, which is a huge cast show that kind of looks at um, the classic biblical figure of Judas and like whether or not he should be considered guilty. So it's kind of like a courtroom thing. Now, I know you've been on the show before. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a feature here. <laughs> but for those who are passing through the dial tonight or missed it before, mm-hmm. a little overview of Peppermint Creek, where you're located, what's it all about, and a little bit of the history. All right. Well, Peppermint Creek, this is our fourth full season of shows uh, in in Lansing. Uh, we we started in about 95, but uh, and since becoming a nonprofit, this is our fourth full season. Uh, and we're thrilled and excited to be actually in East Lansing this year for the first time for our entire season. And we have a semi-permanent location at a 110 Charles Street, which used to be Cafe Aroma, which is next to Giorgio's Pizza and the Secretary of State. So we're really excited to be downtown, finally, in some place closer. We used to be out at a barn and uh, in greenhouses and churches and various places. So yeah. that's exciting this season. I have never been. What's the atmosphere like down in your in your theater? Uh, well, it's small, uh, which is, I think, something that we've always kind of um, has been always the case for the most part, which I really enjoy. I think the shows that we tend to do are uh, are better when the audience and the the stage and the actors are closer to each other and um, all the action is more immediate. So, you know, it varies uh, right now in, in this new space, uh, how many we can get in there. We used to last season when we were out at Waldemar, uh, we were like about looking at about 140 seats. Now we're probably around a hundred, but we're really excited about that. Cause it, um, I think that's what's thrilling about theater uh, is to be that close to the action on stage. So. Do you fill those quite regularly? Uh, it varies. It you know it varies on the day. It varies on the event. You know Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, <laughs> we're like let's see what happens. But um you know yeah I mean what we we've been really fortunate uh, that the Lansing audiences and um, and just audiences in general have have kind of embraced the stuff that we're doing because we tend to do a lot of newer stuff stuff that's a little more on the edge. I think the word uh, controversial tends to get. Um, stamped onto the stuff that we're doing. Um, and I don't know how I feel about the word controversial, but uh, definitely I it think... It brings in the crowd. It does, and that's exciting. But And I think largely you know, our mission statement, uh, a large part of our mission statement being um, to address vital and current issues in our society today, which I think if that's controversial, that's I'm comfortable with that. And so I think it's stuff that, you know, you, not it's not always going to... Our plays are not always going to answer questions as much as pose more questions, which I enjoy. Well, the play you're here to talk about tonight... Mm-hmm. 
controversial may be a word. Okay. Um, definitely hot button in, in terms of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Nine Parts of Desire, from what I understand, and we'll let you do the real talking about it. This is a one-woman play focusing on really a woman's part in the Middle East and in Iraq specifically, right? right if you yes. want to go just kind of into the overview of what's what's happening with it. Absolutely. Well, uh, the playwright, Heather Raffo, is from originally from Okemos, uh, and she now lives in, in New York City. And, um, and she, her father is Iraqi and her mother's American. And so um, right after the first Gulf War, she went to, in 93, she went to Iraq to uh, see her family and to... Um, and to interview and started um, interviewing women, and and that became a more of a, a seven year, a little bit longer maybe uh, process where she was just interviewing and talking with um, Iraqi women, and through that process is that where the play came from. Uh, and so in the play, there are nine different Iraqi women, or, or there's a kind of a cross section of women that the one woman in the show plays all these different nine women. And so the play kind of comes out of those interviews that she had while she was in Iraq and her experiences there. And, um, and as well as like her experience too, uh, there's a character in it called just the American, which I believe is based very strongly on her. So, um, so that's kind of the thrust of it. And, What's exciting and um, thrilling about the show is, like you said, it's hot button. But I think more importantly, it's not necessarily we don't necessarily do plays for that reason. Um, but because it's, uh, you know, I think that we tend to do stuff that to get people talking and about specifically about stuff that is happening right now. And the war is such a big deal. But I think more importantly, the play is less about really the war and more about um, how I think we tend to clump the people of Iraq into one big clump and uh, not think of them as Well, it's a very, you know, it's a topic I don't know anything about. Right. It's something that if I were to go sit down and say, I don't know much about an Iraqi woman at all. Right. Uh, let alone anything. So she was over there for seven years straight? That's no, not or... straight. I think just over a period of time, okay. various visits. Um, yeah. And so... I mean, it was, and, and that's what's exciting um, about it is that you get to see a lot of different, uh, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different uh, showing that the women are all very distinct and unique, but then also on the on the flip side of it are very much, you know, like like us as Americans too. And I think that's what's really kind of powerful about the show. Well, if you have any questions for Chad or any questions about Nine Parts of Desire, uh, 432-3893 or Impact Exposure on your AOL Instant Messenger. This show, we say one woman show. Uh, does she have a supporting cast or is she on a stage by herself? By herself. Um, is she is a tremendous, tremendous actress uh, that I met from, I met while I was an undergrad here at State actually. Her name is Melissa Kuhlman and she now is a, uh, acting and working in Chicago. And so when we chose this show for the season, I gave her a call and not really knowing how we were going to work it out because she's in Chicago and we're here. Um, But uh, she read the play and loved it. And uh, it's a huge challenge. And I think that any, you know, any real actor is going to kind of want to prove themselves and and kind of rise to that sort of challenge, which is exciting. And so um, she read it, loved it. and, uh, And we've kind of worked it out since then. So yeah, it's her for an hour and a half. Um, and what's funny is I, I heard I read something about the play, uh, play, the play when it first opened in New York on Broadway, and uh, about the reviewer said that it is a one woman show, but that she's definitely not up there alone with all the different nine characters. No, that she, she gets intermission to catch her breath or nothing. anything. No, nope, she gets nothing. She uh, she just got the stage and herself. So uh, it's amazing. I, I'm I'm amazed even as a director about her resilience and her uh, and her energy. I mean, she gets done, and I mean the lights come down, and I think she kind of just collapses because it's a, it's such an undertaking. It's amazing. I'm really excited about well, it. Well, you mentioned the show was in New York. Yes. Where else has this touched? All over. Uh, what's exciting is I, I spoke with Heather's parents, uh, the playwright's parents, who still live in Okemos, uh, her, to her mom. And, uh, and when I talked to her first in November, she, Heather, because for the first three years,
years, she performed it herself. She wrote it and then she performed it herself. Um, it premiered in, in New York City and then performed it in Washington and, and around the globe. And so when I talked with her in November with her mom, she was bringing the show to Brazil. Um, and so it's it's all over the place. And I think it's only been recently in the last year that the rights have been released and she herself has not performed it and other women are now starting to perform it too. What's the feedback been on it? Amazing. Um, everything I've heard about it and read about it is, um, you know, there's a lot of things and, and Melissa, the actress in the play now, and I have talked a lot about how there's so many things built into this show that are amazing that I think the audience will be able, will, will leave just stunned and amazed and excited, you know, whether it be the fact that one woman can be up on stage for an hour and a half and carry an entire show, um, whether it be that she can play nine, that there are nine different women so distinctly portrayed, I think tends to be a thing that audiences are, have been responding really well to. And then also I think the, um, the very sensitive and uh, positive way that it puts both the United States and fair way, I guess is better, the United States and Iraq. It's not saying, the play is not saying America, boo, or Iraq, boo, you know. It's it's kind of, I think it's very honest and it, it shows that, you know, there are problems in both countries and there are positive things to both countries. And I think that that's one reason why the play has been so widely and so positively embraced and accepted and and celebrated is for those reasons because it's not I mean it's political but not in a not in a way that really takes sides I guess would you say it has a positive overtone or ending to it or is this one of those it's true but it's depressing yeah um, I think there are there it's definitely not depressing there are parts that are heavy and there are parts that are sad um, and and that are in of definitely make you contemplate and think but I think that ultimately the play is really about hope it's about um, the idea that you know this is where we are as two nations that have kind of become intertwined because of this event that has happened um, whether it be the war or just all these years of strife and I think that and so but I think that ultimately it's here's where we are and here's what we've done to each other and here's what's happened but this is where we can go and that and I think that ultimately you know at the end it's it's really more about hope and it's uh, I think also um, about resilience, about the resilience of America, but even more, I think, because that's what it's largely about, the resilience of women in Iraq and uh, and Islamic women and and uh, just their experiences. So I think that, yeah, it's definitely hopeful at the end. Well, I know Lansing is a large community for refugees and for uh, people from the Middle East or from Africa or whatnot come here and, and have immigrated here. Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked to them before about food on the station and other kinds of things on this show specifically. And one issue I hear a lot about why there's uh, such a misunderstanding in the Middle East is what they see of the American culture is a Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. or they see Fear Factor and people eating cockroaches and, and all of our big things. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily catch something like this play. Have you received any response from the immigrant community in Lansing of people that may want to come and see this, or specifically even Iraqis that may be over here uh, in Lansing that may be coming to see this show. Right. Well, um, you know, the play is largely, I think that there's more of a sense of um, of the Islamic uh, perspective from it, as opposed, I mean, in, in, I think that is balanced also with the Iraqi experience. But, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been balanced, I guess. You know, uh, I, I spoke with... Uh, a man at the Islamic Center in here in East Lansing, um, and he was very, I mean, he had a, a very positive experience, I think, uh, or attitude about us doing the show. It's only been positive, I think, but, uh, but so yeah, and, and Melissa, my actress, and I went to Dearborn last week um, and visited one of the largest mosques in North America there mm-hmm. in Dearborn, and, um, and, and in just briefly speaking about it then, there was a really positive response about it. And I think that largely 
the, the reason for that is because that perspective is not both the Iraqi, the Muslim and the female experience is not necessarily always celebrated or uh, displayed uh, on stage. And so so across the board for, the, for, for that reason, the play, people seem so excited about it, you know, um, and then uh, to take a step further, the what only in the last week or so has been also exciting is the people who have known Heather Raffo herself from when she lived here in Okemos or grew up in Okemos. And um, the response of those people calling to get tickets has been exciting, too, because I think that them wanting to come, if they if they haven't been able to see Heather in the show, they still want to come and support her in that play. And so that's something that's really exciting for us to be doing a show by, by a local playwright or a, play, a playwright who grew up in this area. I mean, no, no longer local, but... Um, and the people who are excited to support her. And we're turning people adventure. away at the door. No I hope so. I hope so, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Heather? Is this, or how many has she had before this in terms of plays that are, are getting this kind of exposure? Uh, I don't, I don't want to speak for that because I, um, I don't, I'm not as knowledgeable as I should be in regards to the plays that she's written. I don't, I think this is, um, if it's not one of her first, it's her first. Um, okay. But I don't know that for sure. What I do know is that this is, I mean, in, in researching her and in, um, and looking specifically at her website, uh, this is the play that has brought. I mean, she's been a working actress um, far beyond this play, and and accomplished, and has all over the the country. Um, so, in that regard, as an as an actress and as a performer, she's she's doing quite well for herself. But uh, as, in regards to the play, I think what you really find, um, and that I found in studying her and um, in this play, is that this is a pl- the reason why this has why this has been huge for her, and specifically has been a huge play just on the whole, is because. Because it's something that came directly out of her heart, I think, and um, and out of her, it was something that she felt very, very compelled to write. She went to the. Um, I read something where she was a student at U of M, and uh, and was sitting in a bar as um, the, the the clips from the war were playing, the Gulf War then were playing, and and how people were cheering and the way they were reacting to that, and feeling and for her feeling very conflicted as you know half of her family being Iraqi. Um, at at being there in that mm-hmm. sort of environment, and I think that, and so that was one thing that really kind of started the stirrings inside of her to to need to write this play, and I think that that is going to be the impetus for any great any great art, you know, whether that be dance or or music or or theater, and it being something that she obviously was very very passionate about and felt very strongly about, and I think that that really it really comes out in the play, you know, is her heart in that. Well, I'm speaking to Chad Badgero from Peppermint Creek and then Nine Parts of Desire is the play opening next Thursday. Um, I know you said you're director of this. Uh, you want people to come see it, so you don't want to give away too much. Right. But a couple of questions about the play itself. You know, it is a, a one-woman show, but what is up there with her? Uh, how, what's the scene like, and is there any kind of off-the-stage help that she uses as cues or, or whatnot? Uh, other than sound, there's nothing off-stage. Uh, the stage um, is... Uh... Our set is built by our fantastic technical director, Genesis Garza, uh, who is very detail-oriented, which is exciting. The show, um, the set is, um, it never changes uh, in that, I mean, there are stuff that's hidden inside the set that kind of comes out that you don't know are there until later. But um, in general, it's, uh, we kind of had to create a world for her where all of these nine women could feasibly exist. So it's, um, there's a lot of... uh, 
a Middle Eastern influence in regards to the design, a lot of mosaic and tile work inside of it. There's a river that runs through the, through the middle of the stage that is used um, because the imagery and the metaphor of water and the river is, uh, is brought up a lot in the play. And so that's right there that she actually gets in, which is really exciting um, as far as stage, staging a show. Um, but, and there's a lot of, um, you see a lot of through the set, a lot of the degradation and a lot of the um, devastation that a lot of, I think, the architecture and the landscape in Iraq has had to deal with. So we've, we're trying to convey that through the set. But it's largely, you know, areas that we try to portray, but it never changes. You know, it's How do you set. convey nine different women through one actor in one play without, you know, little intermissions or whatnot. Yeah, well, that's a good question. And um, the way one of the conventions that is written into the play is the use of an abaya, which is the classic female. It's also um, in certain circles and in various cultures called a sari. But the traditional garb that the that the Iraqi women or the Muslim women wear uh, 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 that cover themselves. Um, and so, but in the play, it's just described as a large. Uh, large rectangular piece of fabric that is, um, and in the play it's used in different ways. So depending on how the woman is wearing it, like one woman will wear it just like around her shoulders, sort of like a stole, whereas like there's a doctor character that doesn't use it on her body. She actually uses it as like a prop, more as like a rag to clean up in in the hospital, so to speak. Uh, And other women are completely covered in it. So that's one way that we distinguish from character to character, um, which I think is very clever and very... um, evocative too of the culture then but then everything else is really all on melissa as an actress um she has to both both physically as far as how she uses her body uh on stage we've had to talk tons about that you know whether she's hunched over or she's very very straight some characters you know in the way they use their body and the way they use their hands uh, uh, and how expressive they are and then also vocally you know there we've got like a character who's um who's been in exile in Britain. So she's kind of Iraqi, but she's kind of got this hint of this British accent, whereas others are, there's a character who's a smoker and who's um, borderline an alcoholic. So she's got this kind of like gruff, you know, like really kind of voice. And so, and then there's an Iraqi girl who's, you know, very young and her voice is a lot brighter and, and, and more chipper. And so all that is all on Melissa and conveying emotion. And, well, what's and your biggest challenge as a director of this? Uh, I think, you know, it's, what I wasn't expecting, but has has been a huge not a challenge, but a job I find as my as a director has been to constantly encourage Melissa because she has nothing else on stage to work off of to understand if she's doing good or bad, you know. And so, and she's very she's so thoughtful, but she's also very much like uh, she's working to constantly be great, which is I mean the sign of any great actor, I think. And so, but she's also very, I mean, how am I doing? How am I doing? You know? And so a a huge job has been reassuring her and helping her know that like, I will not let her be on stage and look bad, you know? So that's been a big job. But then they also, the other thing is really, how do you make a one person show exciting for an hour and a half, you know? And so it's, how do I create stage pictures that are exciting? How do I keep her flow and her pace moving uh, so that's exciting. And so that's been a big job, you know, um, and when I wasn't when I was half expecting and, and then also not expecting and I've only discovered as we've started rehearsal. Well, it sounds like it'll be one of your proudest. I hope in, so. In yeah. Of... I mean, you know, I I'll be proud if, if it affects people in a positive way. I mean, in every show that we that we do at Peppermint Creek, that's always kind of the goal is like are people affected in a positive way? And, and when they leave, have they have they felt like they saw something of merit and are they still talking about it when they leave and so I mean this show definitely falls into that category I'm, I'm so proud of Melissa and I'm really really proud of the show and the production values and i um, really thrilled for people to see it alright well 
Uh, Peppermint Creek, the theater company, once again, if you'd give us a location and maybe contact information for people to ask questions. Uh, they, can, um, they can call for tickets uh, if they want. Am I, can I put the number Yeah, on? that's yeah. no problem. All right, yeah, if they can call to reserve tickets at 517-719-3887, or they can just go to our website at peppermintcreek.org. And uh, that's how they can get tickets and find out more information. And our location is at 110 Charles Street, right in downtown East Lansing, um, next to Giorgio's Pizza and Secretary of State. And it up next Thursday. That's actually February 1st. February 1st, yep. It jumps on you before you even it know does. it. does. It's here already. It's going to run through it. the 10th, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. About an hour and a half. Sounds like a fantastic play. Yeah. Uh, nine parts of Desire. One woman playing nine women. Uh, Chad, thank you for coming in this evening and talking to us about it. Thank you so much. Hopefully it's a big success for you. Thank you. We'll be back uh, after this quick break on Exposure with January Smooths and talk about a little bit of dance. You are tuned into Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Back to Impact Exposure. Once again, a thank you to Chad for coming in from Peppermint Creek. You can check out Nine Parts of Desire starting next Thursday uh, at the Peppermint Creek Theater. Now we're going to be talking a little bit of dance, some songs, some story with Roberta Ada Mason from the LCC Dance and Theater Department, but she's also part of this great, I don't know what to call it, if it's a play or... or it's uh, a concert. A concert. It's, it is a concert. Is what yes. we'll call it. Well, how are you doing uh, this evening? I am fine. How's it's the beginning nice. of the new semester treating you? Um, just got into it, so we'll wait and see for another week or two. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we're not here to talk school, but to talk yeah. about this concert. Sure. Why don't you give us a quick rundown? Um, it's called January Smooths, mm-hmm. and for me, that opens up a blank slate. I don't know what I'm thinking <laughs> of here, so give us a little bit of a Okay. Intro. Well, um, the January part is obvious, and we chose January because it's the beginning of the winter season, theater season, right after the holidays, and we took that final weekend in January because it's a good time for people to start getting out. And smooths comes from just sitting around thinking, you know, we need a good title for this show, that one that we can continue to use. And it was cold and just thought, oh, yeah, s'mores, you know, that graham cracker marshmallow treat. And then I just changed the R to a V and came out smooths. So that's how the title of the concert came about. Um, I... 
began with my good friend Rosemary Edgar, who is a community artist. She and I have danced together um, in the past, and we said, you know, we'd really like to do something together. And so we did one year, and then we started adding some students from LCC. I choose them from my classes, and every year it's a turnover of students, but it's always myself, Rosemary, and John McDonald, who is a, another community artist. This concert opens up when? It opens this Friday, and it will be Friday and Saturday at 7.30 in Dart Auditorium and Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. Awesome. So nice, easy location to get to. It is, right on Capitol, down from the Capitol building. How many people are involved in this? You say concert, you're on stage dancing with two others, or or how many people are involved in dancing? How many are part of the, the music? Well, we'll start with the dancing first. Okay. Um, first of all, there's seven performers. And uh, Rosemary and I sing, and John, Rosemary, and I dance. John and I dance together. Then I have four students that do two dances um, separate from the other three. So it's a collection of performance formats. So as an example, it starts with the song. Then the second performance is a poem that is spoken while people are dancing. Then there's a song, and then there's a choreographed dramatic piece, and it goes on like that for about, I think we have 11 works on the whole program this year. Now in terms of the music, is there an orchestra that, that, that is a part this of it? This is recorded. Okay. Um, or we have, in addition to recorded music, we have a live pianist, because when we do the storytelling, that's all improvisational. Rosemary and I have cards that we go into the audience with and have them select the cards. And so the topic may be Humvees. And she tells an improvisational story about Humvees while the pianist is improvising music that's appropriate for that, and I'm doing movement. Um, so none of this really is too overly orchestrated. It's No. Wow. No, the, um, those, the storytelling is not, but there is some very carefully crafted choreography that, in other pieces. So if you went, if you've been to a regular dance concert, you know, and seen somebody, you know, do like a five-minute work to recorded music, you'll see that as well. Well, that certainly brings up a point. Okay. Um, I'm not a dance concert expert in any okay. means, and we certainly may have listeners out there. And if listeners have any questions, four three two three eight nine three, you can talk to Roberta. Um, if this is my first dance concert. Okay. You know, what kind of atmosphere is this for me? What's the time length like, and and how do I engage with you as as a listener or, or a viewer of it? Okay, those are really good questions. Um, this is a relaxed atmosphere. We like to get the audience involved. So as I was describing earlier, you know, we bring those cards out for the storytelling aspect of it. Um, it is an hour and a half program with no intermission, and we keep it moving along very, very smoothly so that people can enjoy it in a relaxed manner. So we have, have a performance. We take a few moments so people can absorb what's going on rather than bam, 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 one thing after the other, and you're going, you know, what did I just see? I've seen six things in the last 20 minutes. What did I see? We like to take our time in between, so we make a shorter program and just for an hour and a half so our audience can relax and watch and get their own interpretation of what they've just experienced. Not bad. Um, what kind of event have you been a part of before that may relate to this? And are you going to expect a great response from this? 
Well, we've had good response. This is our fourth year, and this year we have moved into Dart Auditorium, having been in Old Central building on the LCC campus, which is now gone. They took it down, and this puts us in a more formal um, atmosphere. And last year at Old Central, we overflowed. So, oh, wow. <laughs> That is a good outcome. Yeah, we, we get good turnout. It is a concert um, where there is, it's a complimentary concert. There's no charge for it, and so it brings people out. It's um, a concert that children of upper elementary through adult would enjoy. So we have a good turnout, and we invite anybody that's interested in art, music, dance, song, to come and experience January Smooths. You said you bring four students from yes. your classes into mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to anticipate you have more than four students oh, yeah. over at LCC. Mm-hmm. What's the selection process like? And this must be a big thing for these students. Um, actually, I keep it quite... Um, I don't have high pressure for it. I teach the modern dance at LCC. And so in my um, fall semester, I don't announce it. I just watch who's in my modern dance class. And if I find somebody that moves clearly and steadily and is willing to be creative, because that's part of my curriculum, then I say, okay, Maybe they would like to join us in January Smooths, and I start with the students in early November. I always give something that's relatively easy to work through in about eight weeks. Now, can you talk about the pressure of doing improv dance or, uh-huh. or improv story? Uh-huh. Improv is, is a skill that we see brought up on, on exposure here quite mm-hmm. often, whether it's a comedy group or, mm-hmm. or musicians. Mm-hmm. Bringing those elements together, what kind of pressure is that for a performer? Well, you can't just get out on stage and have never done it. It becomes mush, and there are improvisational tasks that a dancer can practice in a rehearsal space. So as an example, one of the pieces is called Eight to One. And the dancers have practiced this over and over again. And every time they do it, it looks different. But the movement task is to start out getting from the corners of the stage any way they choose and be at an agreed-upon location in eight counts. Then they have to go away and come back in seven and go away again and come back in six. And every time they come back, they have to have some sort of a group arrangement that's aesthetically interesting to look at. So they've also experimented with what we call in dance levels, low, medium, and high. And then we have some interaction using negative and positive space. So there's always some movement task going on that the dancers have worked with quite a bit before we go to performance mode. Now, when I think about improv, one of the uh, exciting things about improv is there's always a chance for disaster, I think. You know, <laughs> something could go wrong, and, and you can mm-hmm. see something that's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. This is the fourth year of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, has there been a disaster in the past, or, or maybe something has turned out comical instead of uh, more, you know, that kind of thing? Can you tell a story um, about that? You have to be careful with improv that you include your variety. So when I'm talking about levels, sometimes there's a tendency for a lot of things to stay medium level and people don't jump off the floor and get it interesting in space. And, you know, that's happened, but when you're experienced enough, you notice it going on and you change it 
right there in the moment, which is the beauty of improv. You have to keep your eyes and your ears open to everything that's going on around and then improv according to what is happening. You know, my, my, we were talking about me being a novice. I might not even notice anything going wrong in the crowd. However, your your main crowd, are they very experienced? Is this something that I wouldn't want to go to because I might not understand what's going on as a novice? Or is it a learning experience for me and, and still an enjoyable experience? Oh, it's always enjoyable. Um, one of the good things about it, you know, is that you see people of all ages. The students are in their 20s. Myself and the other two community artists, Rosemary and John, we're all over 45. And so that's one of the beauties is that you've got all ages being up there, willing to improvise, be creative in the moment, and make something that is interesting to watch. And it is based on practicing improv skills, as you mentioned earlier. Um, you need, as an audience member, to be willing to be open to new things. Um, I think people will be pleasantly surprised to see a variety in the program of set choreography as well as the improvisation. So there's something for everybody. So what kind of preparation goes into preparing an improv concert? How long have you been working on this specific event? Okay. The improvisational parts we've been working on for the last 8 to 10 weeks. The choreography has been worked on for the last 7 months. Wow. Now, how hard is that for your students to pick up on the whole improv thing? You have them in modern dance, and you may like them a lot as a, as a dancer and want to bring them in, but if they hadn't done improv before, is that difficult to really get them going? That's why I select them from my modern dance class, because my modern dance class just includes a section every class that is creative work. Oh, so perfect. they've got some experience before I even ask them, perfect. and they, they know what they're getting into first. Excellent. Well, just to recap, real fast, we're talking about January Smooths with uh, Roberta. It's going to be at the LCC Dart Center this Friday and Saturday. There's 730 uh, starts on both of those? Yes, Friday and Saturday. And it, it runs for about an hour and a half? Yes. Uh -huh. Awesome. Is there any kind of opportunity to get feedback from the audience post-show or, or during show? Do you interact with them at all? You mean to speak to them directly in the auditorium? Yeah. We haven't planned that um, into the program, um, but the um, performers do go out into the um, lobby area right after the show, and I do have my dance students go to the show as part of their curriculum, as well as um, the actors that I teach because there's storytelling involved, and so I want my actors to see how movement and script can work together. So then I get some feedback from them, what they learned and what they liked. And I think one of the most interesting things you've said this evening is part of the improv is based off taking cards into the audience mm -hmm. and drawing cards. Mm -hmm. uh, these are, are topics you've selected to put on the cards beforehand? Right. right. But we've got ten, and we only choose three. So, <laughs> Could you maybe let us in on uh, what, what topics might be on the cards this upcoming? Uh, well, we talked about the Humvees, mm -hmm. um, and I'll give you one other one, uh, which would be quite the opposite of the impression, would be late afternoon. So Rosemary's telling a story about what's it like around 5 o'clock at night, and she'll, I don't know what season she'll pick. She might pick winter, she might pick spring, and uh, Barbara will play music that goes along with the images of late afternoon. Um, and I get a little laid back and easy going with my movements. Fairly wide open differences between talking about a Humvee and, and, and <laughs> right. going into the seasons and, yeah. Yeah. and whatnot. Uh, 
are there, you know, is there a little hope that you're going to reach, you know, six at least of these ten over the two different nights? You know, what happens for you if you get the same topic on two different nights? Are you going to take the same approach each time, or are you going to mix it up even? Oh, they come out a little bit different, but that's a really good question. We have like three topics that are pretty much like late afternoon, but they're a little bit, little bit different. And so we'll pull out two of them so that they don't get chosen. Otherwise, we could mm-hmm. have all the same sort of idea, image, and then you're going, hmm, gets a little boring um, for everybody because it's the same type of image. So we make sure that there's a good variety in the cards that we bring out to the audience. Is this something you anticipate doing for many years past this? The whole, we hope so. Yeah. yeah, we've enjoyed it the last four years and had a good size audience, and we've had great publicity. This is our first time out here at MSU on the radio. Um, last year, MSU's newspaper uh, let us have an article and some photos, so we're very pleased that it's beginning to go out into the public, and people are going, what's January Smoops? What's, what, what is this? <laughs> Well, certainly, you know, keep coming back to us and telling us about these. Could there be maybe any, you know, hints of what's coming in the future for the spring or, or, or the summer with your your dance and, and whatnot? Are there any other events planned that you can have we're, us looking forward we're to? We're talking right now, but we're not sure. Um, LCC has a wonderful schedule of events all the way through May, and then they pick up with a really good program in the summer. And so we have to make sure that we have a venue, a, a place to perform that's big enough and has a good floor because you can't dance on cement. <laughs> this is true. Well, uh, the show is January Smooths. It's mm-hmm. going on this Friday and Saturday, 730 at the mm-hmm. Dart Center uh, in, on LCC's campus. And also Sunday at 2. Sunday at yeah. 2. Um, let's talk a little bit about information. It is a complimentary show, so yes. no charge. Uh, but what about uh, you know looking online or, or phone numbers to call or any kind of information if they forget what we've talked about here? Okay. They can call 483-1488 at LCC, the production office, for information. And I do believe it is on the LCC website, www.lcc.edu. All right. Well, thank you very much, Roberta, for coming in and talking about thank January you, Smooths. I hope it turns out well for you. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to be back after this quick break and talk to Amanda Wells from The Review. But uh, please stay tuned to Impact Exposure. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 
evening so far talking just right now to, or we had talked to Roberta about January Smooth's dance going on at LCC this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday and Saturday at 7.30, Sunday at 2 p.m. Before that, Chad from Peppermint Creek is going to be doing Nine Parts of Desire next Thursday at uh, Peppermint Creek Theater. Now we have Amanda, Pat, and Bill in the studio with us, going to be talking about a little shop of horrors put on by the Vermontville Opera House. Uh, good evening to all of you. How are you doing tonight? Good. All right. Well, let's just kick it all off uh, by letting you talk about what you know best, and that is your show. Um, please tell us about the Vermont Opera House to begin with, where it's located, and, and what it does. Well, the Vermontville Opera House is located in uh, Vermontville, right downtown, across from the fire station. And it's a historical building. And about 11 years ago, uh, Bill started a theater group there. And we've been uh, performing, and this is our 36th show. And we're, uh, we put on a little shop last weekend, and it will be going again this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday, uh, the the show starts at 7. Saturday, we have two shows, the 3 o'clock matinee, and again at 7, and then Sunday, our 3 o'clock matinee. Excellent. Well, you said this is the second weekend. How'd the first weekend go over? Great. Yes, we had very good crowds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How big of a crowd did you get? Uh, our biggest crowd was 150, um, and this is probably not that well-known of a musical. Uh, last year, we did Beauty and the Beast, and we did eight shows, and we had nearly 1,700 people come oh, through our doors. Not bad. Now, um, what is each of your function in, in this? What brings you in here tonight, all your roles in Little Shop and uh, Theater? Well, um, you know, my name is Bill. I started the group back in 96, and so I've kind of been, uh, along with Pat, who started out at the top with me, um, kind of been managing and running the group and producing everything, and uh we just play multiple roles. I play piano half the time, but actually this time they uh, encouraged me to step on and play Seymour for this show, which has just been uh, a blast to do. So, um, And it's exciting out in Vermontville, you know, a little town of a population of 800 to see uh, this many people come to those doors because you can imagine some of these small towns, a lot of stuff doesn't happen. So, yeah. But uh, anyway, with this show, playing Seymour has just been a great thrill. And I tell you, what's been the most fun with this is the amount of talent that's in this cast. I mean, it just it, it blows my mind because these people have such a, um, so many years of experience and the comfort we have with each other up there and the abilities to play off each other, it just uh, just makes the show lock and just it just rocks all the way through. Had you ever been on stage before this? Have I been on stage yeah. before? Yeah, okay. yeah. I've, since high school in 91, again, I've been involved with 45, 50 shows myself personally um, before even the review got started. So... Uh, but sometimes in running the group, it's uh, difficult to be in a show and still take care of all the logistics and everything and producing it and making sure the floors are swept and the bathrooms are unlocked and all that. So <laughs> producer's not always a glorified job. So Excellent. Well, we haven't heard from Amanda yet. Oh, well, I'm Amanda. This is actually my sixth season with the review. I can't believe it. Um, I came on, um, on the stage and then uh, promptly became the musical director. So I teach all the music to the chorus members and work with the soloists at the review. And in the current production, I'm playing the role of Chiffon. Chiffon. So um, I get my stage time as well. So it's a lot of fun. How about you, Pat? Stage time? Well, I love to be in the chorus. (laughs) (laughs) Bill's taught me a lot over the years. I've done everything from, uh, I directed some of the kids' shows. I even directed one of the adult shows. And and the, uh, the older I get, the more I like to be in the chorus, <laughs> the fewer lines you have to do. <laughs> but it's just fun to sing and dance and, uh, and just entertain. 
Now, how big of a cast did you say you're, you're pulling for Little Shop? Because as I know it, it is a, you know, I, I've seen it on TV before. A very large, in-your-face production or whatnot. Pulling it off um, at the, the Opera House, how many people do you have working with you? In the show on stage, I'm about 35, I 35, believe. 35, yeah. Plus we have a pit of about six people and stuff. So being in community theater, we do try to get as many involved as we can. So typically, I know the, you know, traveling around, they have a very small cast. You know, people play multiple parts and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, But we, we just, again, are blown away by the number of people in the area that come to audition and try out. So we're just a, a theater group that's just... A, loves to think outside the box big time and you know we don't we don't do the tradition and stuff so uh, but it's a nice size cast you know well, that brings me to a question we'll step back to it in a minute before we do that I want to let all of our listeners know you can talk to uh, Amanda Pat and Bill anytime if you like 432-3893 is your phone number or impact exposure on your AOL instant messenger the show is in Vermontville at the Opera House is it going to be opening uh, on the 26th or Okay, yeah, 26th through the 28th, shows are at 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday. There is a charge, and we'll get to information on that in a little bit. But as far as being a small little opera house that likes to step out of the box sometimes, are there any new conventions you've brought to this classic? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think that our the overall interpretation is is not too far out of that box, but what we have to utilize at our facility um, is where we mostly need to be creative. We have a very small space um, on stage, uh, which is um, a blessing and a curse, but uh, it's pretty awesome to see what we're able to do with that in in our facility. Well, how big of a production is this compared to, you said Beauty and the Beast, maybe some other ones you've done, this this little bit above or, or about par with what you do? Uh, because of production, well, I mean, the Beauty and the Beast cast was double the size, so of course that's going to involve much more work. And I think whenever you do anything uh, um, Disney, you know, it takes a lot more of the special effects type thing, so definitely with the uh, tech side of it, 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 it took a lot more to do with that. Um, but, you know, it's it's a very involved, uh, it's a very creative set, how everything changes. You know, you have your skid row looking uh florist shop and then it just gets overwhelmed with the plans and stuff so it's a it's it's a it's an involved show i mean it, it has a lot of uh uh again a lot of variety to it well, what led you to selecting this i have wanted to do the show for years <laughs> and a lot of people such as pat says oh you want to do that crazy show who wants to do a show with a outer space plant coming down that eats people that's just the corniest thing but <laughs> the music is what attracted me i mean just the, the music is just you know it, rocks all the way through and i just can't believe i mean i start the show i'm thinking we're done already i mean it's just a rush all the way through it's it's a show that you know it's just constant entertainment it's it's not your slow moments at all in there it's just uh it's just a lot of fun how do you approach um and i know you don't want to give away all the secrets you want people to come see it but how do you approach constructing your plant and and conveying our plant is incredible (laughs) (laughs) we actually have four stages of plant in the show um and it's all done by um, our puppeteer. I don't know what the right word is for that. <laughs> um, his name is Nate Root. And he, um, from stage one to stage four, is puppeting the plant. Um, and it's incredible. I mean, the plant does actually eat people. Oh, and it's very, <laughs> it's very realistic yeah. and pretty fun to watch. So, And we rented it from New York. So it's a... Bill, you said it was probably the best prop we've ever oh, yeah. rented. I was, I, I've unpacked many props, and I opened this thing up, and i like, wow. 
I mean, this thing was nice. I mean, the creativity of it was uh, was very nice. Well, we have um, our host Karina of Torch and Twang next hour is saying she played Audrey <laughs> in this in future or past rendition. She could so hop um, in and we could sing Suddenly Seymour. There you go. <laughs> I'll sing back up. Uh, she is an attention grabber. I'm sure she would absolutely love that. Um, well, let, let's talk a little bit about the music of the show. Uh, those people that are not familiar with it, and, and myself, I've only seen it on TV in passing as it was done. Was it Nathan Broderick who did it on TV? I can't even think. Uh, Rick, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, Moranis. okay. Back in the 80s. Uh, the music, you've, you've called it in your face and, and fast and moving. Um, could you classify, maybe for somebody that's listening and is intrigued, what would pull them into the show? Talk about it a little bit. You say just it's a doo-wop style. Uh... Yeah, it's a, it's a throwback. I mean, if people who enjoy, I mean, I know that, for a lot of musical theater novices, people who aren't as familiar with musical theater, they're all, they all love Greece, and I think that um, in a lot of ways it can, can be p- compared to the music of Greece. It's very fun and upbeat. Um, there's a lot of really tight vocal harmonies that are really um, fun to sing and to listen to. So, um, what I've enjoyed from the watching the movie and then uh, my first time actually seeing it live here at the Wharton Center was uh, you can tell from the movie to the show the, the different songs they added in there in the theatrical style of those new songs. So you really have a variety of, of different style of music in there, which is just fun to have. I mean, a little bit for every, everybody's taste. True. I do like the edge of Greece. You know, it's just an outer space alien instead. Yeah. <laughs> that that becomes a, a part of the cast. Um, for the chorus, what, what have you done in terms of, um, you know, selection, and what do you look for in people in terms of their vocal range and, and ability? Well, I'm going to turn it over to Amanda. She's our <laughs> music person. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, the review, um, we like to think that we s- can set ourselves apart a little bit because energy is our, our biggest focus. So it's not necessarily about vocal perfection, but it's about having great energy um, in your in your singing, in your approach to singing. So that's probably the main thing that I would say we look for. And, you, I mean, you do have to be able to carry a tune, but other than that... <laughs> Now, this is a show that we can probably classify for all ages, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, um, your ticket information is available on a website, right? Can we give that out? Yes. Uh, our, actually, we have a new website. Uh, it's at vermontvillereview.com. Okay. Any phone numbers? that? Uh, yes. If you want to make reservations for this weekend, you can call uh, 269-367-4455. And we probably recommend that you make reservations this weekend because uh they're it really was so big in. last weekend everybody's going to come soon. it's <laughs> yeah it's going to be a good, well, where exactly good again uh if you give us an intersection address well if you're coming from lansing um take the potterville exit and um get on vermontville highway and go west and that will take you right into vermontville and you come to a four-way stop and turn left, and you're right in downtown Vermontville, and we're right across from the fire station. It's the tallest building right in Vermontville, so it's it's real easy to see. Great. Well, one thing I like about um, a play like this, you know, when it's as fun as it is and it has challenges like plants and, and whatnot, uh, my friends that are part of theater departments or something always say, you know, that was such a challenge, but it was rewarding for me. What in each you are going to answer this? What did you anticipate as the biggest challenge of this, and what has been most rewarding so far? Starting with you, Bill. The biggest challenge I think was was the plant, because it is such a it's a main focus of the show, and that was one of the things. If I could not get this plant to, to rent it, you know, it's a, it's a prop that you need talent to build, 
And so that was the biggest challenge. When that plant got here, okay, now what do we need to adjust? Um, getting the plant on and off stage. And again, to, you have to see our, our availability of stage space to understand what I mean by that. <laughs> so some walls had to be adjusted and hinged to properly move these big seven-foot plant as the largest one on and off the stage. Mm -hmm. So that was the at first my challenge, thinking, okay, what's going to happen here? And then when Nate actually crawled in that thing the first time, we're thinking, whoa, what kind of size person do you need to run this thing? I mean, this thing's huge, and to lift this thing up, it is it is heavy. Um, rewarding, um, again, it has just been a, a thrill for me to work with a talent that's in this group. I, I'm, again, doing our, my 35th show with the review and, again, being involved in 40, 40 50 shows, um, I can say this is probably one of the tightest groups that just, the you know, someone hits that core, boy, just sends tingles up your spine. And, and I, you get that so many times in this show with this group. And also for me as a producer, I mean, my whole my whole goal is to bring theater out to an area that doesn't have it. You know, um, there are some, you know, you, theater can be expensive. Anything can be expensive. And that is our goal, really, of our main core of running the group is to give good theater really good theater to people in an area and not be charged an arm and leg for it, you know. Um, and that is our focus is to really bring that to people. And so it's a joy and encouragement to me to see people bringing their families that you know wouldn't have the opportunity to do that. And, um, again, they have a great time. So, Excellent. Pat? Well, I really didn't want to do this show. <laughs> but I've fallen in love with the music. I even catch myself humming this, the tunes in the morning. Um, the neat thing that I really like about our theater is the, the family atmosphere that we have. Um, most of these people we've worked with for quite a few years. Some of these kids were in high school. I had them in the children's theater. And we just have neat relationships. And so many people who come to see our shows will say, you look like you're having fun up there. And you know what? We are. Because we're all great friends. We're really like family. And we just have a wonderful time. Oh, before we, we go to you, what's the youngest cast member you have on this? Probably junior Four, high. 14 years old. Oh. She just turned 15 opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's right, yeah. Now, <laughs> in, the, um, in the spring in May, we always have a children's show, and that's just for 4th through 8th graders. Um, Bill started that back in 98. Uh, we wanted the children to have some kind of training and experience in theater. But we didn't want to conflict with the high school because their theater program is for ninth through tenth or ninth through twelfth grade, and we have just seen these kids uh, love theater. Uh, they they get the training, and by the time they get into high school, um, they're great on stage. Uh, last year we had just over a hundred audition for Aladdin. So we're anticipating our spring show. We're doing uh, Dear Edwina Jr., uh, first two weekends of May. And auditions will be uh, March 5th and 6th, but just for 4th through 8th grade. Excellent. So the Opera House is thriving. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll get back to you, Amanda, let you tell your little piece, your oh. biggest challenge and most rewarding. <laughs> my biggest challenge and my most rewarding ended up being the same, which is coming from a little different place than Bill and Pat, because my biggest challenge was actually... The trio, <laughs> because in the show there's a trio of women who um, are sort of the um, the seeing all narrators of what's happening on stage, and um, they're pretty big shoes to fill for people who've seen the movie. They're 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 pretty cool. So learning the trio music, being in the trio myself, and also teaching the trio music to the other two members and trying to make it really gel, 
um, and sound um, just really great. It's there's so many opportunities in this show for everybody to just have those moments. Like Bill said, they're just you know where you get chills because the the way it's written is so fantastic. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken did a great job. Um, so that was both for me because I feel like you know we finally got there and when you get there you're like yeah that's it and um we feel really good about what we're doing on stage now so excellent well it's it's interesting talking to you in the middle of you know you had one show last weekend and one coming up uh, what last weekend was really really great or maybe something you have to adjust over this next weekend hmm or did it just run well the plant had some malfunctions <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the plants comprised of a few straps which hang around the neck and uh I know on our little curtain call, all of a sudden the plant took a nosedive. <laughs> so that's on the schedule tomorrow is to fix that strap. But, Excellent. Um, we just had a great time. I can't think of any, any uh, uh, you know, thing of changing or anything of that nature. Uh, we're just looking forward to hopefully some people coming out and just wanting to see a great show. And um, yeah. the group is just excited. We're almost uh, excited, but also on the disappointment side that, this is the last weekend, you know, know. it's just been, <laughs> there are some shows, I mean, people that are in theater, you know, I think, especially the directors, you get started and sometimes you, in community theater, you wish they were over before you got started because of all the stress and the hassle you had, mm-hmm. but this has been a run that we'd be happy to go on with for a while. Well, you'll be moving on to something big there next, you go. and I'm sure we'll talk to you again <laughs> with that. Well, Nana, Pat, and Bill, uh, let's give you one more little piece of publicity. Once again, your website and, and phone number contact, where? The website is Vermontville Review. Dot com and our phone number is 269-367-4455. Excellent. Well, you can catch the Little Shop of Horrors and the Big Plants, as they brought it in from New York, at the Vermontville Opera House, 26th and 28th. The shows are at 7 p.m. Fridays and Saturdays down in Vermontville. Ticket information available on the website. I'd like to thank you again for coming in this evening and, and talking to us on Exposure. Another big thanks goes to Roberta from the LCC Dance and Theater Department talking to us about January Smooths to Chad Badgerow from the Peppermint Creek Theater, and I'd like to thank my engineer Eric and director Lisa for hooking up all these shows tonight. Please stay tuned to Impact Exposure next week, and stay tuned to the Torch and Twang now on Impact 89FM. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.